Welcome. This is our daily podcast from Seacoast Grace Church. We believe that Jesus changes everything. And and as we come to understand what that means, we begin to live our lives differently. And I think as we live our lives differently, people take note. And we might even bring change to our world. So welcome. Glad you're here. Hey everyone, Pastor Matt here. Welcome to day five of Send It. Today, we're gonna continue to learn about service and why it's so important that we continue to build the church. There's a whole new generation coming our way and we need to be ready to reach them with Jesus' good news. Let's get going. Today's scripture is from Deuteronomy chapter six, verses one through nine. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live, by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey, so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Today's Devo is titled, What About the Kids? We pass a lot of things on to our kids, our eye color, family heirlooms, love of sports, And then there are some things we'd rather they didn't inherit. Our nose shape, bad habits, debt. But there is one thing the Bible makes abundantly clear that we must pass on to the next generation, and that is our faith. Unfortunately, the shift of 40 million people leaving the American church is disproportionately impacting the younger generations. If the number of Gen Xers and older who are leaving the church are a trickle, then the millennials and Zoomers, who are people currently in their teens and 20s, is a flood of epic proportions. This is scary in itself, but these folks who used to be in church have at least been exposed to the gospel. They are simply de-churched. So what happens when they start having kids? They will officially be unchurched. There may be an entire generation coming who we will never see on a Sunday. These kids may never set foot inside a church. This should light a fire under us. If we want to reach this upcoming generation, we need to re-church their parents. Here's the good news. The vast majority of people who have left the church have done it for very straightforward reasons. They moved, their kids joined a sports team, or life just got too busy. Research shows that these people are willing to come back if we, the church, are willing to do some work. We need to find out who they are. We need to be their friends and we need to invite them back. These invitations will be different than invitations to people who are not believers. We'll talk about this more in the share week. These folks know Jesus. They just need to be reminded of the beauty of living in community and that following him is not a solo act. When they come, we need to welcome them and provide them with places, not just to sit, but to belong. We need to meet their needs, be it for friendship, learning how to be a great parent, or responding to a life crisis or transition. We need to be ready to welcome them back with open arms. 
If we want our kids, our grandkids, our nieces and nephews to carry the love of Jesus into the future, we need to become resources, not consumers. We need to stop expecting a handful of people to do all the work. We need to each pitch in and do our part. What would it look like if every person in our church served? What ministries could we grow and launch? How many marriages could be saved? How many parents could be strengthened? How many students would become disciples? Who would be helped and reached with the gospel through the charities we could start and resource? God made you to work. Jesus showed you how to serve. He has given you a high calling. The world needs you. Our church needs you. Get to it. Hey friends, welcome to day five and part two of the de-churching of our churches in America. And uh, this is a kind of a topic that's passion that I'm passionate about, primarily because I've in the book learned some observations and made some observations that it appears that every preceding generation is becoming less religious and they're less inclined to attend churches and youth groups. And if that trend continues, then my people, the youth pastors, will be at a job, won't have a job in the next 20 or so years. So I'm passionate about it. But I want to bring the discussion to you guys. And I guess the first question we'll start with is: what's the most important thing that we can do? to really reach out to this next generation. Okay, so I was a youth pastor for 10 years, 15 years. I don't even remember, a long time. Um, and here's the conclusion that I've come to, is um, your kids will only be as dedicated as you are. Mm, absolutely, absolutely. So like whether that's church attendance, whether that's um, ha seeing how you are about your commitment to Christ and your discipleship and your disciplines and all that, your kids, it's very rare to see a kid be more committed to Jesus than their parents were, at least initially. Um, it, it usually is, and this is how I was as a kid, is um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play a little bit further on this side of the line than where my parents say is acceptable, yeah. right? And so if, if you apply that to faith and they go, hey, you know what, it's okay if we are not there, we're there once a month or twice a month, and yeah, I don't give, but that does, your kids pick up all of those things. And so they know you how serious you are, and they're gonna be less serious than you are. Yeah, more is caught than taught, right? So they'll, they'll pick up on, on your, your habits, your attendance, how faithful you are to spending time with the Lord, and they'll be even more lenient, or less lenient, more lenient, they'll do less than you will. So yeah, what are your thoughts? I think this book, um, I, I think everybody should read the book right now, this whole great de-churching thing, because it's really talking about what's happening right now. Um, you know, that so many people left the church, not our church specifically. We've been growing like crazy. And so a lot of the stuff that's happening in here, we're not necessarily seeing it. Um, but so many people left the church over COVID for just dumb reasons, like whatever, you know, they, they fell out of it, they moved, they did whatever, and they're, they filled their life up. You know, they filled it up with sports, they filled it up with golfing, they filled it up with whatever, and they kind of are okay with not being back at church. And so the things that you're saying, their kids, um, they're just not going to ever come to church. Like they're, they, you know, the parents, I've seen it. I've seen it with some of the conversations that I've had with friends that they did not prioritize church when they're, even though they're Orthodox Christians, they did not prioritize church. And now their teenagers are getting ready to go off to college and they're praying about college decisions and the kids aren't praying because why would I do that? Why is prayer an important part of my life? And it was like, oh, I guess 
wow, that's something that church <laughs> would have actually impressed on them and made an important part of their life. So. Yeah, I think another thing is that a lot of, and you know, I've been a youth pastor for a while now, and I see that a lot of parents, they create an environment in which their kids rent faith and don't own it. Right, mm -hmm. and so they've never they've never developed a personal relationship with the Lord because they just attend church when mom and dad tells them to, and, and there's no personal devotion. I know Autumn, you've been really good at this, and you've shared with our staff before that, like you know, you and, and your husband Shane, you guys sit down with your boys and you guys read a book or study scripture together or do a devo or something like that. Um, you guys are doing some of Preston Sprinkle stuff, if I remember. And um, I will tell you, ago. they hate it. Yeah. they do not like it. It's encoded it. in who they are now. <laughs> yes. and you have great boys, and I can see that they they it's a value of your household, and they're championing the value because you guys have set. The precedent of doing that type of stuff, yeah. I, you know, I'm. I used to make fun of parents all the time about the whole sports thing. You know, like you're not going to be a professional athlete. You're not going to, you know, your your kids probably going to quit by junior high. Blah blah, this kind of stuff. And it's funny as my kids are getting more and more into sports, and now we have like the whole club teams and travel ball and all that kind of stuff. I can totally see how people, if they are not resistant to that will just get fully sucked mm. into it mm. you know mm. but i think that's also an opportunity to show how committed you are to things so yeah. like you know that the whole phrase live differently came out of me trying to explain to my kids why they weren't able to do what their friends were able to do good. because we live differently and so you know now i'm having to tell my kids sorry we can't play travel ball because it's on sundays and i know that all your friends are doing it and i know that you would love to do it but we just can't miss church. You know what our number one priority is. And so I think it takes that sort of intensity and that's just church attendance. I think it's everything. Like we, we've talked about people who they were regular attenders, but somehow that message I got across to their kids was Jesus is really important, but making money is actually more important. Yeah. But it, it, it just gets back down to what's real. So people will send their kids to our Sunday school or even school and want us to Christianize their kids. They're, your kids are going to become you. And if your kids aren't turning out well, guess what? Don't look at us. We're here to support what you're doing as parents. Now, having said that, it's not easy to be a parent. And parents need other parents, and they need they need clergy to help encourage them, no, you're not crazy, this is the right thing. Because you want your kids to turn out different. <laughs> You just do and let us do it. But it, it, yeah, it, it, so what is it? It's, the question that's been haunting me recently is what does it mean to be a Christian? Because we all kind of go for the, the confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you know, thing. But is that what it really means to be a disciple? It's, it, it's not a one-time thing. You don't do it at Angel Stadium and you're good to go. It is an everyday putting Jesus first. And if I can't even put Jesus first on Sundays... My kids have no chance. So I still, when I'm on, on, I rarely miss a Sunday service. When I'm on vacation, I go to at least one church, sometimes two. One of the reasons for that is it's not a professional kind of thing where I go check out everybody else because I don't like most churches I attend. I'm going to be honest. I don't like it. They bore me. They didn't. They didn't work creative. They didn't put hard work in. It's out. really fun going to church with you too. <laughs> if you've ever been to a church with him, because his hearing's kind of going, and he likes to give commentary throughout the service. He goes, "Wow, this speaker can't hold a tune. That's awful. Oh wow, this guy is boring as snot." I tell you what, you think we can sneak out with anyone noticing? I think they hear you. I think they notice. <laughs> That's absolutely true. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. It's absolutely true. But here, I still go because. Um, I remember my grandfather on his, on his deathbed being too weak to go to church. And he told me it was the first time he'd missed church in over 50 years. 
And I just, here's a guy who went from being an alcoholic bootlegger to being a man of God who's raised this family that now generations later is doing great things for God in, in lots of places. And it was just that simple, he probably didn't have an eighth grade education, I bet. Simple faith. God says, go to church. I go to church. God says, don't get drunk. I don't get drunk anymore. It was just that these are non-negotiables. And I just, if I were to give one piece of advice to parents, yeah, do the non-negotiables. Even if the pastor's lousy, and it happens every other week around here. But, uh, but even if the pastor's lousy and music isn't good, as I experienced recently in a church I was visiting out of state, God was still there. And I was still doing the non-negotiables. And, and I, I just think if you're worried about your children, pretty easy, really not hard, live with integrity, love Jesus every day, show up at church, uh, and they're going to get the message. And they'll remember it, even when it was grandpa and not dad. And my dad was even more committed to that. So, I did, I, so, so on, on, a, on a family level, that's where we're at, all right? Mm -hmm. I think that's also where we're at on, on, a, on a national and maybe a global level. I think that a part of the, can we just really be honest about what happened in our church during during pandemic? Yeah. Looky lose left. Looky lose left our church. People were only in it to kind of you know appear to show up to act like they're but they weren't in it. They weren't giving. They weren't serving. They weren't really in it, and they left. And it was a benefit to our church. So if you're leaving a church as a benefit to that church, what does that tell you about your faith? Here's what we believe. This is unless the goodness. I, I think we do. I believe this. That the exodus from church in America may be one of the best things that ever happened. Yeah, absolutely. Because the people who are coming to church now are paying a price to come because it's not popular. It's not expected. Their parents didn't come. They're coming because they're sincerely hungry to know Jesus and to live differently. And it may be the best thing that ever happened to the, the church in America. I am, I am mortified. I am deeply saddened by the numbers that are leaving. By the I, way, what group is that primarily in? Well, it's the age my demographic. Age. Yeah, people my age, baby boomers and, and Zoomers, the, and and the, the next, next generation. Group down. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But and but the other ones aren't leaving the church because they never came. Right. right. So we got a problem across the board, yeah. and I think that's something that that we ought to we ought to do something about it. But as upset as I am about that, I'm more excited about the possibilities. Yeah. So let me just give you a thought. What if the next time you're tempted to gripe about our politics, our elections, the economy, why don't you just do something that makes a difference? Why don't you go invite somebody to church? The most surprising thing about the book is that most people who stopped going would come back if somebody would invite them. So instead of sitting around complaining about things not going the way we want them to go in our country, why don't we get off our couch, go say hi to our neighbor, and invite them to church? Because that, as we talked about a couple of days ago, could make a difference. Yeah. And so for me, I'm kind of over the let's whine about it and let's moan about it and let's let's lament it. It is sad, but we have an opportunity in front of us. Just as we see, I think, one of the worst turns in our history, we could see one of the best turns in our history if Christians would rise up and understand the incredible gift we've been given in, in relationship with Christ. Okay, I, I'm done preaching. No, that was good. Really that was great. Yeah. I just got one more question if we could go through it really quick. And it's, what practically... Can we do to reach the dechurched? I think the first one is just either let. So we we talked about this the other day, and we came up with three things. And I don't know if these are our official three things, but do you remember the three things that we talked about? 
we need to let them know. So let them know that we're Christians. That we're Christians. Drop it in a conversation somehow. Wear your I, Jesus changes everything sweater. Wear your gear, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. Like, let them know, hey, oh, sorry, we can't make it on Sunday. We're going to be at church. Or, man, sorry, we're just coming from, or, hey, you know. So don't hide your faith. Be open about it. Just let them know. Step one, that's great. The step two is live differently. Like, actually let your life reflect the the things that you've just said. So as everybody else is cussing out on the baseball field, you're the one who doesn't seem to speak like everybody else. And you're not rubbing anybody's face. You're just, just... you're different. Like those are the last will be first. But the, and don't but the be a hypocrite. Thing, <laughs> right. But, but the first thing you did was let them know to watch you live differently. Right. Because right. as you were saying, I think in the other day, you were saying, you know, that if it's not, if it's just deed, yep. word, but if we base it in word and then we deed, then people are watching. And you got to connect the attention. dots for them. Yeah. Connect the yeah. dots for them between the way that you live and what you believe. And then the third one was, um, it was kind of either two part. It depends on the person and the relationship that you've developed with them. One is if they're de-churched, invite them back to church. Um, if they're unchurched and they have like they have no idea that they should even be going to church, you're gonna have to be the evangelist in that situation. You're gonna have to share Jesus with them. And, and that's what next week is gonna be all about is, is doing that. So I, I actually have some, another side of things that we need to do is we need to be serving. We need to be building our church. Yeah. Like we need to actually be making a place for them to come. Yeah. And um, as you were talking, Doyle, I was thinking about, um, you know, the area that we always have the hardest time getting people to serve in is kids. And it's because that it's hard. They're, they're not super fun to serve with all the time, you know, all of that kind of stuff. But my husband and I um, put in our time. We spent like, I think, five or six years serving serving in kids and I don't have any girls I have all boys and I would sit in these little groups of um, like second grade girls and they're all in high school now because my kids are in high school and I would look at these little girls and I'd be investing in them and I'd think is one of these girls one day going to be my daughter-in-law? I, you know what? I'm in a room full of guys. I should not be getting teary. Um, <laughs> what, what is that soul discharge that's coming from your eyes? No, I'm but I'd look, at these, I'd look at these little girls and I'd think, okay, none of these girls is probably going to be my daughter-in-law, but I really pray that somewhere in the United States, my daughter-in-law is sitting in a group and that there's another woman that's investing in her and teaching her about Jesus so that my boys have a lady that one day loves the Lord that I'm going to get to meet. And so I've done my work on this coast. I hope that elsewhere across the United States, somebody is investing in my future girls because I didn't bear any my, um, of my own and I need to adopt them into my family. Yeah. And so I yeah. hope they're coming. Sometimes you can just raise them up just the way that yeah. you think yeah. they should yes. be. No, and then really you can Yeah. I have so. one, one other thing. And I think next generation, Matt, you know, with the junior high and high school, my story my parents loved me. They they tried as best they could to raise me as as a godly man, but I was rebellious. And it took other people that were my dad's age to, that they could speak into my life the way that my dad couldn't. Mm, and so it's like it takes a village to to ha- to volunteer and to you know nobody likes junior hires, but that's where they're they're there and they're they're struggling and they're hurting and they can't get a lot of what they need from their dad even if their dad's loving because he's the disciplinarian or he's the one that he's still dad they need somebody else they need an older man to speak into their life to love them and to guide them yeah i think that's a great place to end and so i think of just two thoughts to wrap us up number one autumn you talked about it right is um we got to get involved in the very organization that god god 
created here at the church, right? To love on the next generation. We have a thriving next gen that's growing, right? I mean, we've been growing year after year in, in our next gen ministries here. And so it needs you guys. It needs you guys to participate. And if you have a, if you have a tug on your heart, I'm telling you, you have a tug on your heart. Get involved in what we do here. Um, and then, yeah, James, you, t- you said well and Cody, that we just have to not be ashamed of the God we worship. We have to live out the values that, that we say that, that we need to emulate, right? And so I think it's a great place for us to uh, stop for today. And so we hope this week has been uh, both filling and that it's been fresh and that it's furthered your development and your walk with the Lord. And so we look forward to seeing you guys next week. Okay, now we're going to turn it back to you, our listeners. As we mentioned yesterday, if you'd like to learn more about this topic, our main resource for today's Devo is The Great Dechurching by Jim Davis and Michael Graham. We have some questions for you to think through about as we close today. Number one, why is it important that we pass our faith on to the next generation? Two, how does the knowledge that people are leaving the church in America in record numbers, especially in the younger generations, make you feel? And three, what is God calling you to do about it? Hey, thanks for joining us today. We hope that you take something that you heard, something you learned, something that was moving for you, and you do something about it. As we end this first week of podcasts, our goal is not to just inform you, but to inspire you, to encourage you to step forward in your faith and do something new, something that God has been calling you to. And so please, don't just listen, enjoy, learn, take action, figure out what God wants you to do next. And join us again next week.